1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
2: bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away? Or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play? Or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo, and I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com.
1: Welcome back into another edition of the Kickabout here on the Blue Room. I am your host or co-host, Rob Vera, joined by my other host and co-host, Mark Mosey. Mark... I am uh, man. I I was so excited about today, and I still am excited about today because I feel like we've got lots to talk about. Um, but I we were just talking about it before I hit record. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Like I don't necessarily at the time of recording. Which let's just do a t- let's just do a timestamp here, Mark. That's industry industry talk right there for uh, the the time. Okay. Um, it's 4.15 central time, 10.15 for those of you live, uh, who live in the UK. So um, someone, re- someone retweets that stupid article linking us to Ben White and it's knocked my wheels off for a variety of reasons. But the main reason being that mean. I've been, well, <laughs> that's, no, that's no small part of it. But no, it's, it's, more, it's more that just like, I hope it's, I hope, well, obviously it's from the Daily Mail and it's not Dom King and that's all I'll say. I mean, I, I think we know how a lot of those end up going in terms of transfer rumors. I've been told they do a good job on some of their investigative reporting for other things or what have you, but it's the Daily Mail. So I don't really know that i totally buy that, but let's just say it is true. I, the number of just absolutely, like, the Daily Mail was one of those I remember years ago feeling like some of the names of the authors of those pieces were completely made up names. Like, <laughs> I'm not now granted you English you English people have some delightfully, you know, whimsical names. I won't, you know, there look, a guy named Danny Drinkwater exists in this world, okay? So I mean, I get it. Um but I just, I wanted, so we're going to talk about Rafa, obviously. And you know what, Mark, I had gone through, I'm now at the acceptance stage of the whole thing. I know you guys have gotten to hear Mark and I, but probably more me because I'm way too overly emotional. But you've heard my kind of progression of going through all the stages of grief for Rafa. Um, I wanted, after this was announced yesterday, for today to be a day where we got our first like, half decent link from a non-portuguese source this summer (laughs) you know what i mean like that's that's kind of what i i mean maybe dumfries kind of was but i I don't know but for it to be a center half that's not the move i'm like i'm just thinking to myself are we would spend 50 million looking at this this squad we would look at this squad and go yeah 50 million for a, a another Throw another center half on the fucking pile. I mean, it's just it's so dumb, and yet it's so Everton. And I'm going to choose for now until we hear something more reliable not to believe it. But Mark, I think this sets you up more than anything. Um, whether you have any opinions on Ben White or spending money on a center half or not, I do, I do think this sets up sets us up for today's discussion, which is about the emotional roller coaster of the last uh, couple of weeks, but really the last couple of days. Uh, and 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 what everyone thinks about all the things going on at the stadium stuff and Rafa and the euros and I'm just so fo- this is so much football, mark it's so much football I, I i'm 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 getting almost footballed out, man. I haven't had a break. I'm like these players. I haven't had a break
2: I think the, the the unique thing about us doing the podcast this week on the day and the time that we're doing it is that for once, all of the stories are kind of breaking at a at a time whereby we are dangerously relevant here in terms of what people want and need to hear. Um, that said, <laughs> 15
1: minutes dangerously ago... Dangerously relevant is, I think, the name of this week's episode. Let's, I'll, I'll write that down.
2: <laughs> 15 minutes ago, I did not expect to be leading into this show talking about Brighton's £50 million centre-half Ben White, who I, I, I'll, I will throw all of my opinion here in here and the fact that I do not know much about this guy. I, yes, watch a lot of Premier League football, but I could not critique him in a way that makes me think that Everton should or should not go out and spend money on him. But we all know where the MO of this story is coming from. And as you said, Rob, earlier on, it's the, the media, and in particular because of the multiple managerial hunts that have been going on, and, and most notably our own, obviously, there is so much come and get me baited shit in in particular newspapers at the moment but yeah I, do you know it the, the the reek of desperation that agents and clubs and and probably even players at times will use to get deals over the line is just outrageous i mean I'm not gonna to totally write this story off because I live in a world where Hamas Rodriguez and Rafael Benitez came to Everton in consecutive seasons. <laughs> so you know what You mean after after Carlo Ancelotti left and you know, all this
1: normal, totally normal football stuff that happens to Everton, yeah.
2: Show me a headline that I no longer believe in, but I think we're all we're all pretty confident in where this is coming from, uh, most notably because of the other team involved, I think. Arsenal are up there with Everton in terms of clubs who can be publicly swayed in the media into spending as much money as possible um, but obviously any Everton fan and and hopefully any staff member at Everton will know that the the strengths in terms of depth in our squad at the moment very much rest in in the centre of defence and, and that is the one main reason why Everton will not be signing Ben White this summer but yeah on on, on a wider transfer point Rob I think it's the fallout beyond Rafa was always going to be twofold and very interesting. Um, we were always going to hear some form of stadium news. I'm not willing to be sceptical about that. It's purely a case of timing. We all know that progression with the Bramley Moore project was on the horizon. It coincides with Everton needing a manager. It, it's not a conspiracy. Um, but also in terms of beyond Rafael Benitez's appointment... I think whether you are at the stage of acceptance or you you are still deep in the fury of of acknowledging his appointment, I think we have a collective agreement as Evertonians in that we're all ready to turn our attention to playing personnel. Um, Probably the most gripping part of Rafael Benitez's appointment for me was knowing that Marcel Brands was not there because he'd been active in player recruitment duty. Yes. It, he's he's gone full Steve Walsh with the briefcase wow. and has apparently been in Holland looking at a player in Inverted commas. and I think we, we all know who who we hope that is um, but yeah we we are at the the dangerous crux of transfer window where if Hey Mark hey, briefly-
1: I just want to say I do want to say this really
2: quickly I
1: have to interrupt
2: only because
1: you you made me think you made me have a visual thing that just happened I remember that that. Remember that photo of Steve Walsh in the suit that looked way too large for him sweating his balls off in Italy with that suitcase. Rob, and so- then imagine imagine Marcel like in 90 degree weather still wearing a cool turtleneck or something and with a briefcase and it's just it's it's just what a what an odyssey this whole experience of following this club is Mark. So,
2: someone retweeted the video of Steve Walsh walking into I I, don't, I I can't even remember where he was or why he was over there but uh, it, it was up there with the um do, do you remember the muppets photo when we sent a delegation to go and sign Jaromir Moutinho from sport and oh, yeah oh it peak yes. with was, was, the was,
0: Yarmil-
1: we- was uh, Yarmilenko before Jaromilinko was Yarmilenko for me.
2: <laughs> Between him, Yarmolenko, and Raquel May, Raquel May, we, May, we yeah. have Ever Benegas up there, obviously as well. But yeah, we we have deeply invested into players who have not played for this club far more than some of the current ones that do. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting. In particular, the first four weeks of his tenure, I think there's a there's a lot of work to do. Um, you, I, I would like to think that the. The positive caveat of appointing someone who supposedly has a good knowledge of Premier League football is that we're not going to go into this this wormhole of managers experimenting with players who we all know are no longer capable at this level and taking the time to, to realise that for himself. I, I would like to think that if Rafael Benitez is... Is keen in getting Everton fans on board. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's his his primary objective. I think he's he's very very strong in character and he will do things his way and, and by his means. But if he is to appease a, a great deal of, of Everton fans, I think he'll he'll buy into a season of turnover that that this transfer window will be. Um, it, it, it's very dangerous obviously to appoint a new manager and have such a high turnover in play and stuff. But I think that, that regeneration and, and kind of that, that freshness into the playing squad is probably the one thing that would just buy R- Rafa Benitez a little bit more time, certainly from the fan base. But I think in terms of, in terms of buying favors or time from a, a very angsty fan base, the only thing that ultimately drives that down is, is points on the board and, I think it, th- we'll obviously talk about what going back to, to Goodison Park will be like in the coming weeks, but I think we can all be pretty unified in our opinion in that, in particular on the back of new stadium news today, I, I don't want our days at, at Everton or at Goodison Park to be to be full of toxicity and mm. sensitive nature. Um, and I think everyone will... will always have an opinion on every single player and in particular any one football club's manager but yeah. I'm, I'm not going to quite go full let's all get behind the lads and, and totally disregard all of the, the technical issues that we have with Rafael Benitez but outright anger will get us nowhere um, and I, I, just, I just hope for his sake obviously from a club's sake generally as, as with any season but I hope that we start well this season just so that we can objectively talk about his performance as opposed to just into this character that we all think we know before he's even started. Uh,
1: You know that, man, there's so much there, Mark. Like I, I've, as I've been thinking about all of this, there's been like the part of me that thinks about how I feel. And then I, I think a lot about what you're, what you're saying there in terms of in the bigger picture of things, I think we all need to probably ask ourselves just
0: how much um, effort is it worth to to maintain being so upset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the answer to that for every single person. Um, And and I think it's also important to note that those who feel um, upset about disappointment I mean I'm, I'm not upset per se but I'm definitely I'm definitely not like thrilled with it but I'm just kind of decided to move on but I, I think that everyone is entitled to feel what they need to feel and anyone who chooses to take a step back every once in a while from Everton I get that actually <laughs> yeah so I, I I don't I don't I'm not saying like I think you make a good point. The whole everyone needs to get behind the club. Like it almost just like a cliche it doesn't mean anything. I think everyone has to figure out how they feel about this. But ultimately, if you're gonna be a goodest, then hopefully the majority of that environment is still a, a an advantage for our, our side hmm. is still to I think one of the broader points you may or may not have been making, Mark. Um, just a positive atmosphere, especially after a year like we've all just had. It's going to be great for those of you who can get back to goodness and just enjoy being out with your friends and your family and, and watching football, even if it is Everton. <laughs> just-
2: well, but the just with the with the stadium news coming out today, um, and obviously it, for, for those who, who've not heard it, I think Everton expect spades going in the ground on on July twenty sixth, which I think on on the day that Everton acquire the land, the work starts, which w- was obviously very positive news today. But it it did. I, I, as much as I don't want to consistently talk about that, it, it feels as though we have to do a new Bramley Moore podcast every time there's a small change in development. I feel like I feel like when we saw sure, a, a new a new permit gets
1: approved. I mean, I I made jokes about how many. It seemed it, like we were talking about ten thousand different permits at, at various stages. Yeah,
2: we'll definitely have to do like a, a city stand construction staff podcast. Yeah, but no, it, overwhelmingly positive news, obviously, but. It, it it does get you thinking that if if Everton were to move into that stadium in I don't know what were we looking at twenty twenty four twenty five we've we've potentially got sixty games left at Goodison Park given the fact wow. that we've obviously just lost out on on twenty of them I mean for for some of us that have been going for way beyond what I've been which is what twenty five twenty six years. it's it's monumental to think that these remaining three or four seasons or whatever it turns out to be are so, so precious. And I just hope that, obviously, we hope that initially Rafael Benitez's appointment doesn't tarnish that. And, I mean, what are we looking at? If we're looking at four seasons at an Everton rate of managers, we're probably looking at seeing three or four different managers in that time. (laughs) <laughs> it, would be, it would be nice to, to gain some form of collective momentum in terms of Goodison Park just being that place. And, and we've all seen it during stages of the last you know, 30 years on and off in Goodison Park just being famously hostile, a wonderful place for home fans to enjoy their team playing good football and just right. being... Collectively behind their club, and I, I know this. This all gets a little bit cliche, but it, it is coming from a romantic point, point whereby we, we will we will definitely leave Goodison Park, and on day one afterwards, think I, I can't believe I expelled so much energy booing Rafael Benitez as Everton for sixty minutes <laughs> as we needed to a two one win over Southampton. You know, it's just yeah. I think most of us, and you mention it, it's, it's primarily on the back of the year that everyone's had, but I, I think that's probably why I've been, certainly for myself, I feel like I've been quite passive in this whole Rafael Benitez development because you, you do, you do automatically start thinking just so much more big picture about everything in life. And, and obviously football comes into that as well, but I I like to think that that this is potentially, I I know I'm talking about Everton fans here, but this is potentially just an opportunity for us all to feel a whole lot less angry about everything. Um, Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, 70 minutes into that first game, Rob, I will be lashing all manner of of, wear onto that pitch. But it's, it's... you do you do hope from that point of view from, from Goodison Park especially we'll we will talk countlessly about those four walls over the next three or four yeah. seasons and how much we'll miss them beyond that. But I don't I, I think that was probably my takeaway today when Denise Barrett Baxendale confirmed that that construction work was was imminent.
1: Yeah, I I, I I've I used the word processing a whole lot this week. And uh, I think that with just the flurry of stories over the last 24 to 48 hours, it's just, it's, I I think I'm still kind of getting through all of that. And then when you put it in those terms about how many games we may have left there, it's man, it really hits you. And, um, I, I, I lament that I, Obviously, I didn't. No one got to see games at home this this season, and um, I lament. You know, I feel for for those of you, especially those of you who go who were season ticket holders. I, I that's just it's a huge gut punch. But um, for me, I I did. I haven't seen a season either, and I I definitely want to make it over. I've got. I, I really like to make it over at least two or three more times. Maybe three might be ambitious. I don't know, but I'm going to try. Um, yeah. It's such a and I think what'll be interesting to 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 kind of if you're considering the odd mix that we've got here of having someone with the 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 background, the context, the narrative, whatever of Rafa Benitez uh, taking over at a time where I think pretty soon, i mean i I think Everton are pretty decent at marketing, but I imagine we're gonna to start to see now that the stadium uh construction has officially begun, I think we're gonna start shifting into goodison tribute mode uh, uh quite a bit as not only as a fan base, but I think the club will too. Um it it's really interesting to have Rafa Benitez uh as the manager during a period like that. Um these are all these are the kinds of random things I'm thinking about. It's just uh, you know, like what is the dynamic going to be? where I think not only will there be a lot of tribute to Goodison, but I, I i don't even know, this may be totally me being just idealistic or something like that. But I, I guess I would like to think that there's this opportunity for, or this moment that can occur with the players uh, who let's be Pretty clear. They've, it's been underwhelming. It was terrible at Goodison uh, with, with no one there as the caveat, of course, last season. Um, but it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been great for a while, right? I mean, it just, it just hasn't. And so, uh, all those things that we talk about constantly about wanting to see a more committed effort, wanting to see a, um, Gives a gives a fuck kind of a squad who really cares. Uh, I I think that I think there will be this kind of. I'd like to think there would be this sort of uh, collective pressure, if you will, for the players to you know in these last couple seasons, Goodison to really go out with a bang. I I don't want a place as great as Goodison does not deserve to close in the current long term form. Does that make sense, Mark? Like uh, they, they don't deserve. Goodison deserves better Everton. I mean, we, we deserve better. Not that that's ever meant
0: anything, (laughs) you
1: know, but I mean, it's, I, I I do hope that between us, uh, between people getting back and between people just kind of deciding that it's, it's good to just be watching football live again. I, I, I know, I think it's, it's totally legit for you to, to feel kind of hurt by all of this. Um, but I also think that at a certain point, um, and really it's up to that person, everyone's different. Um, but I think at a certain point it'll make sense to come back because we always come back. I mean, for the most part, I'm sure there's some, there's someone out there, you know, who said that Everton finally pushed him over the edge and they said, I'm done. And they actually are done. I've never actually seen evidence of that, but I, I totally admit that much like, the fact that I haven't seen evidence of UFOs doesn't mean that they're not out there. I mean, it's all, all these things are relative, but, um, I, you know, I, I hope that, I hope that Everton is not just a continuously painful experience. And if, if Rafa Benitez can come in, frankly, and, and just if they, Get a couple decent players. I, I, I've given up expectations about being elite or great or good. Or, you know, I don't even know what I expect anymore. Mark, we talked at length about that, but I do just want people in general to view the experience as mm. something more positive than it's been for a while. Uh, that's a very low bar, but you know, a competent manager and better players, even if it's Rafa Benitez, I, I don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility. Um, it'd just be nice. It'd just be nice to. To uh, to be able to root for them in, in a in a more meaningful way or in a better way than we have been able to for a variety of reasons for a while now.
2: Yeah, and I, you mentioned about if I could think of a collective unit of Everton players that I've seen play live, finish off the last few years at Goodison Park, and potentially take us into a new one. And you write in in all those all those emotive things that you say about. This is an important time for Everton fans to be able to connect with their players because home games are going to have that ever-increasing emotional pressure on them. Uh, And it, it, it it will reach the point where the expectation prior to games... And we hope that there will be a momentum. It will either be a Roberto Martinez's first season momentum, whereby we just have this indestructible force of a... Everton side at Goodison Park and with every coming moment towards that closure of the ground the, the, the whole positive nature of the club just just reaches the point whereby we all go out on this wonderful elusive high <laughs> everything that I know about Everton means that it could very dangerously go the other way as well and what you say about the the players that we currently have is that when when you do need that connection between players and spectators that that's that's I, I appreciate this is easy to say after a year of not actually being there to boo them a lot but this is in particular a group of players who don't give you all of those feelings when you watch them it's it's very it's very easy to get on their back when they're playing poorly which is annoyingly more often than not and you feel as though you're given praise out to individual players through gritted teeth a lot of the time because you've seen them underwhelm you so much more than you've seen them be positive. I mean, we, we all know the players that we're talking about, but someone like Gilfie Sigerson will be frustratingly good for two games. And he'll almost bring you to the point of thinking that he is still Everton's creator for the, the two years going forward. But yeah. 10 into in the third game in that run, it will all come crashing down around you, and I think there's there's an interesting tie-in with with Rafael Benitez here because, um, and I'll give credit where it's due on the on the four weekly chats that I managed to have over the pharmacy counter with patients <laughs> don't want to talk about medication and tablets, but actually want to talk about Everton, which I am all for, by the way. And um, mm-hmm. if, if you are listening, I am going to rob your point straight away and claim it as my own because. The point that we've been chatting about this week is, we have a number of Everton players at this club now who have seen off a number of managers, and I think that that is something that we've always felt that regardless of a manager's performance, and we we all know the pressure which comes with the top job. If if results are not there, you will the axe will ultimately fall on your head, and uh, Premier League managers wouldn't have it any other way. But the concern with Obviously, all of the things we just said about the stadium, but the, the direct concern with the group of players that we've got and Rafael Benitez and the nature of the emotion of the appointment that we've made is that we we have recent history that tells us that if things are going badly, these players will totally throw it in and they will let the manager take all of the negative hit for anything that is going on. And I think that the the precursor to this season could potentially be if Everton have a bad run of form at any point, we're going to see exactly the same sort of pattern from those, in inverted commas, experienced players who you expect to carry you through tough and dark times, but really don't. And the pressure that a manager would ordinarily have anyway is going to be massively amplified by the fact that these players are very aware that Rafael Benitez is the man to take all of the pressure off them as footballers. And I yeah, think that is, that's the thing that scares me the most. Absolutely. I, I, obviously, there's been so much media talk about how the fans have to be patient, etc. And, and so much of the proposed dynamic has been around how stands to dugout interact with each other. I think you, you can very you can very naively forget that the players are that connector that they are the expression of Rafael Benitez on the pitch. They are also a, a deflection of any form of angst we may have towards Rafael Benitez because they are ultimately the, the bodies that bring in positive or negative results. But I think it's a it's a very important time for Everton players to decide where they want to be in in this battle of being on board with the whole club philosophy or are they purely money grabbing sportsmen who will use any form of in particular situation that they are in to elevate themselves potentially away from Goodison Park and I think that 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 is that's a massive challenge to the players that they may not have even realized is on the horizon yet but they will only really realize the the kind of platform they have to manipulate this situation when it's going badly, because after yeah. after seven, or seven games, you'll you'll very quickly know the players who are in it for not only the club but the manager in particular. Um And yeah. worryingly, I would say that on instinct, we we've probably got more players who will shy away from that challenge than players who will grab the ball by the horns. <sighs>
1: I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and this is random. I mean, uh, it it feels like once you've uh, once Everton have appointed Rafa Benitez as as their manager, just saying the words is still something I'm getting used to. Um, It's like it's like when that becomes reality, then suddenly everything is up for consideration or like you know, like, I think any discussion about changes at Everton are valid. Like if we've gotten to this point where we're hiring this guy, um, who I actually, you know, I have a mixed again, I, i he wouldn't have been my choice. I have a mixed view of him. I think he ab- absolutely, you can't argue with the fact that yes, he has displayed a lot of competence over the years. He's won things. Uh, you know, there's, uh, at the same time, he hasn't won much in a while. I mean, I think all, all those things can be true at the same time. But, like, once that's true, I have questions about the squad then, too, about these players. Um, you know, like, like there's there's nothing that gives me tired head more than talking about the captain question. But I think the more fundamental question I have, Mark, is you know maybe we can avoid we can dance around the word captain cuz i don't want to put it all on Seamus Coleman or any one person per se i mean a ca- character in a squad can't just be one guy uh and everyone follows it, it's got to be something that 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 does permeate the squad a bit i do think everton actually have some some leader types in there but i do wonder at times if just continuing to maintain the same you know, it's not really a, like Seamus Coleman is a super high character guy, but I think that sometimes we equate that with automatically, well, if, if he's super high character and, you know, says the right things to the, you know, like he's, he's, he's a good servant of the club type, right? Like he, he works his ass off. He, I bet he, I bet he is a great example for young play. Like all those things can be true to a degree, but I don't know that being a high character guy who's a good example is enough, if that makes sense, in terms of leader, in terms of of the ethos of this group. Like, it's like on the one hand, I I would make a good argument for Seamus Coleman. I mean, you could make a really good argument for why you think Seamus Coleman's good captain. But in and again, this seems like an attack on Seamus Coleman, but it's about the whole player leadership character DNA of this group. The question becomes: You can believe that Coleman and what his vibe is, and what the whole leadership group and all those things have done are either adequate or not. Um, but but you can't argue with the results. You can't argue with how this team plays. To your point, Mark. Yeah. Uh, once they sense the blood in the water, on on, and again, I I think that they down tools under Martinez. I don't know. I think they tried for Silva, but they didn't. They just weren't. They weren't being directed in any meaningful way that, I mean, Silva worked hard, but he just had it all wrong, you know? And the the, the I think the players liked him, but they couldn't, you know, whatever. Um, I think Carlo, you know, Allardyce, the, the less said about him, you know, whatever. I, I almost give the players a pass on that. But at a certain point, you just can't ignore all of these signs. And you have to ask questions about the, you know, which players are Truly untouchable, you know which players are are leading. Um, I think that I think that Ben Godfrey is a young player who has a lot of leadership potential, and he leads by example. But he's still he's still a kid. I mean, he his job right now is to focus on developing as a footballer. A B C and D.
2: Ben, but 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 he's probably go ahead on loan next year because if Ben White comes in and um, (laughs) Well, well. (laughs) yeah uh, let's i can't Mm -hmm. but like
1: i just yeah but i mean you've got i think i think i mean keen has been a captain but it's so weird how he does not give off captain vibes Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. sigurdsson has been a captain and does not give off captain vibes to me maybe i think he does for iceland but he he doesn't uh, i mean don't get me wrong he's handsome uh but, but that's I mean, that's not enough, guys. like i I think if you think real hard on Gilfie as a captain, you ask yourself, well, what is it exactly that he does that's captain I don't know. but but my point is like yeah I think Mina. if you watch Mina play for Colombia, you see what kind of like he is the captain. Ospina may nominally be the captain, but Mina is the captain of Colombia. but like you have guys, and I do wonder at a certain point, what will be mark to your question the ability of Rafa Benitez, not only to get performance out of this group, but to get some degree of inspired loyalty. Uh, And, 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 you know, he's, he's this sort of cold guy. Can, can that cold guy still get through to the young player of today? I don't see, these are all questions that I think are legit and I don't know the answer to, but I think it's interesting enough at least to see what happens and what choice do we really
2: have. I, I'm still laughing at the Gilfie Sigurdsson captain vibes. and am like, I he's been here for a number of years now and he has occasionally given me an actual footballer vibes. But for for most of the time, it, it's, it's never really got even to that height. But yeah, it's um, we're talking about an interesting balance between a player's technical ability and their personality and their mentality. And You, you mentioned someone like Ben Godfrey who... Who, yes, is is very capable on the ball. He's he's a very good one on one defender. But the reason that he has embedded himself within this club so quickly is that Evertonians can look into his eyes and they know that he gets it. Uh, and and that's not, yeah. that's not talking about you know the, the the very flippant. He knows what Everton is sort of thing. He he just knows what it takes to win a high level sport. And you can can tell within 45 minutes of watching the lab play that whether he achieves greatness in the next three years or in the next 23 years, he will make it there because he has the attributes that are impossible to teach young sports people Uh, and and very much older sports people as well. Some people never get to that level of maturity and and that level of of mentality that he has. And I think that the... Person no,
1: you won't get any argue you won't get any argument from me about godfrey as a player it was just more about like you know i'm just trying to the fact that you have to search this much for who you think the leaders are is yeah. kind of part of the problem you know? we
2: have we have a, a splattering of players in this squad who are technically capable but are, are never going to be in that echelon of, of leader or captain or whatever you want to call it and I think that the person who's been in the news today is probably the personification of this kind of balance of technical ability and also having the ability to throw the towel in when it when it gets a bit rough. And I think the reason why most Evertonians are, I, I would say, I'm not going to say they're not disappointed, but... There's an acceptance about James Rodriguez leaving this football club. Um, and it, 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 were it's you talking sad- about
1: James Rodriguez there or were you talking about a Phil Neville there? Because I couldn't quite. <laughs> no, we, we'll come on to that on a
2: much more angry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, we're scared of winning, lads. Um, yeah, Phil the James story about him obviously going to AC Milan, which we, we can talk about. Transfer speculation in the media, or you like, but everything about me knows that this one is absolutely true. Um, but it, it's it's hard as an Evertonian, and we saw great things from him technically. But there is that feeling inside you that thinks you you are you are not for Everton, and and that's not because he's not probably the greatest technical footballer who's ever played for this club. I said that last year, and I'll say it still now. that I, I, I've never seen a more gifted footballer, Paul Everton shirt on. But th- there's an awkwardness about watching him when he's not at that peak level. And it's because there's, there's an inherent belief from every fan and probably the player as well, and in particular his agent in the. This is just not a match made in heaven, and I think I I think we've spoken long and hard in the last few weeks about potentially putting Everton and their fans and everything about the club on a bit of a pedestal. But Mm. and I'm not saying I'm not saying in any way that James Rodriguez is not good enough in terms of a a mentality point of view for this. No, I I know what
1: you're saying. Like it feels like an odd fit. Yeah and it and, and it's one of those things where no one likes to talk about it cuz you want him here you kind of want him here and you kind of enjoy watching him but in your heart of hearts you know that a like you said he's probably gone and b like given if if we were a good side he's the luxury player right but when yeah. you rely on him and that was the weird thing too remember when carlos signed him remember what he said he said hamas needs a place where he is the focal point and where he is relied upon and then I I feel like we never got a real straight answer about a lot of his injuries and about him, especially that last game against City. You know, which I'm still mystified about. It's it's a lot of things like that. But no, yeah, Rodriguez, it's Rodriguez. We, we, yeah,
2: we are, we are consistently going to be a football club who has to walk through the Premier League dog shit. We we, we yeah. are going to be. We are going to be under pressure and not performing for a lot of the time, and that's just how Everton history reads. But he, he, he doesn't give you that. I, I, again, we're not we're not trying to strip away what James Rodriguez is. And as you said, Rob, he's a he's a high end, top level club luxury player. But right. we are not that platform, and, and hey, we're not much that club. To- <laughs> we're just
1: not right now. Yeah.
2: I really want us to be. I, I want us to be, you know, third or fourth in the league. We've got some fantastic central midfielders that mean that all of the attacking players can go and do whatever the fuck they like. Don't worry about all of the the hard work and all the nitty gritty that we know that Everton players are just going to have to have because we're not good enough to not do those things. But it, that that sort of everything we've said in the show about the the whole. Connectivity between different levels of the club, he always felt as though he was just on the outside of that, um, a bit, bit of a spectator, and and potentially it, it all just felt a little bit too experimental to to actually yeah. buy into. And I think everything that we've said about what Everton needs to be going forward for for years now, but in particular in this next three years at Goodison Park, he it, 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 it would have consistently felt as though that there was this constant disconnect and. And I, I, I honestly don't think that someone like Rafa Benitez, having seen him manage at the top level 45 years ago, I, I honestly don't think that he'll see someone like Hamas Rodriguez go and be deeply saddened by that. Because I think when, you, when you're in a, a state in time that Everton are at the moment, you need players who are going to, Buy into a manager or buy into a club philosophy, and Hamid Rodriguez was not here for the club's philosophy. He was here for himself and for George Mendes, and and that's just how yeah. certain footballers are. Well, and I was, I was, I was
1: musing up about this before, but like, and this is this is weird because it's not an absolute or anything. It's just. Do you ever notice, is there a part of you that ever notices, for instance, when you look up a player's social media profile, like on an Instagram or on a Twitter, some of them will put like take Everton players, for instance, Uh, there are the types that will put, um, you know, footballer for Everton FC, whatever, you know, but there are also quite a few who put athlete, you know, they put like generic athlete then they put something about (laughs) nike or adidas or whatever and it doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean anything but it's it's a vibe isn't it like it 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 is james rodriguez look i i said it on i said it a bunch of times and i don't regret it he's a transcendent talent transcendent talents don't always uh you know their output doesn't always match the talent and and again when he played I still think he was overall pretty good. He was really dangerous for us, what what have you. But he's now he's he's this is who he is in terms of the number in terms of his availability. Okay, it's just it's a reality, and we he's going to get you know he's the he's the kind of guy who's on a Champions League squad for a reason because you know I can see him being someone who starts here and there in the league or whatever. But you know you bring him on for Champions League, you know he's a he's a luxury player. We're we're just not that. We're not that side right now. And I I, I think that there is – I wonder, I don't know this, but I do wonder, and getting back to the idea of if Rafa Benitez can be the manager of Everton, what else is possible? I, I do wonder if there is this kind of storm coming in terms of changes at the club um, – not changes to the club like the board level yet. Like I'm, I don't buy that Marcel Brandt. He just signed a contract. I I just don't. Yeah. I just don't buy that he cares enough. He's he's going to stick around. But like player wise, you know, Mark, we brought this up months ago. But is there a chance? I just wonder if there if there is a chance that someone truly significant departs the squad this summer and, and by the way, it could be multiple. And when I say significant, I don't just mean Hamas Rodriguez. I mean, what, what if it is for uh, God forbid. Like, I don't think Calvert-Lewin, I think the Euros have pretty much kept him at Everton, by the way. <laughs> so, I, which I'm totally fine with. But um, like, I just wonder, like, is there, hey, and I acknowledge, by the way, and I live in fear, and I've had the bad nightmare dream, Mark, that Mina could be gone. I mean, that anything is possible. I'm, I am, I'm not delusional. Uh, and it, it scares me a little bit. But I also do think that some kind of shakeup. I don't think Yarry Mean is the problem, clearly, but I mean some kind of shakeup in the chemistry, in the the way certain players compliment or don't compliment one another. You feel like if they're gonna hire Rafa Benitez, that means that they are in the mindset that you know what, every option is on the table. Cause when we're at the point of hiring Rafa Benitez at Everton, like you have to say it the full sentence to really yeah. feel it. But once you've once you've once you've gone that far, I think anything's possible. And I, and I don't. I wonder if we will be surprised or even somewhat shocked by something weird that happens in the transfer window this summer.
2: But I think I think most of us were ready for that style of summer. And I think as as much as we would all say that, you know. Mass disruption in terms of your playing staff is is very rarely a good thing. This is not Football Manager, and we do, we don't want to be talking about about big players leaving the club. Um, funny you mentioned about the Euros saving us from player losses. I think my my main fear was Luca Dean lighting it up for France at the Euros um, for for yeah. reasons that is obviously not happening now. But I think he he would have been the one that. As, as much as, obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is right up there as well. But for someone like Luca Dean, who I appreciate had, had rocky spells during this season, he, he really sucked me as someone who could be plucked out by one of Europe's elite sides and said, well, you can slot in here pretty comfortably and be our starting left-back. And I think that's the, that's the assurance that high-quality players give you. Um, Richarlison Rich yeah. will will consistently be at the forefront of this debate for me because I think he's he's good enough to be sought out by bigger and better clubs and he's also volatile enough for Everton fans to talk flippantly about him. I don't think, regardless of the fact that mm. people like Luca Dean have, have hit rocky form, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, probably towards the end of the season, you'd say the same thing. You are you are getting pretty consistent 7 out of 10s, they'll chip in with goals, they'll chip in with assists. You you can pretty much dictate the nature of what an average to good season looks like for those players. With Richarlison, we, we've seen... You, you only have to go back 24 months now to see a player who is very capable of being one of the Premier League's leading attacking players, but also one of the biggest disappointments in the entire campaign. Uh, I think that's the... It's very hard as an Evertonian who has a player like that, and for all of the same reasons that we've we've spoken quite loosely about James Rodriguez and and how we all we, we all at this point now buy into the fact that it's not much of a loss. You, you you quite rightly say that when when that lads on form, we are a different football team, and the same could be said about Richarlison as well. But it, it comes down to how affordable you think these players are not from a price point of view but can Everton afford to have these players in their side when they're going to get a nine out of ten every four weeks and then a couple of fours and a six to follow it up have we got capability and the structure in our start and 11 to allow someone like that to go and be relatively flamboyant probably win us one in three or four games also mean that we we don't really ever consistently build on a playing style or a culture at the club. Um, yeah. I, I, I've been pretty open about Richarlison in the past and, and my feelings about him. And I, I like to think that I'm not being flippant on the back of the, the season that we've just seen. But I I still think that if you are talking about selling your best players at their peak in order to generate the highest finance possible... I don't always think that that is the right decision because very often these players are hard to replace. But I think in in terms of the type of fee that we'd be talking about, I mean, for argument's sake, let's say it was £60 million. I think that he probably is one of the more replaceable players at that level. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I would say, is absolutely not. It's very hard to go and find a striker who is as young as he is, as hungry as he is and is also capable of scoring 15 or 20 goals a season, which proven is a very loose word to use here, but he's shown he can yeah. do it. And I think that's yeah. the... I, we don't want to talk about players leaving the club. I think that the one that's come to, to light today, which I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, just the nature of the deal that this looks like being, and that's Moyes Keane leaving to... to Paris <laughs> Jeez. I mean, remember that guy? Uh, yeah, these are, I do. These a top-level, sought-after European players who Everton have on their books. And at some point, we are going to have to acknowledge the fact that for whatever reason, they are not going to want to be here unless we are yeah. proving that we are the club for them to be at. And Moise Keane's situation is a little bit different because he's he's never been here in terms of a consistent squad member point of view, but for someone like Richarlison I mean do we do we wait for us to just totally out-shit him to the point that he doesn't want to be here or do we actually be a little bit proactive in terms of n- not actively selling him but just is accepting it, yeah, the but same- it,
1: well but is it proactive to sell him at his low point after a bad Premier League season uh it's, it and i that's the thing i keep coming back to it's like You know, Richarlison is someone who has shown that when he's in top form, he can be one of the very best Mm -hmm. uh, scorers in the league or creative scorers in the league. I mean, he's definitely not in that first tier, but, you know, that's, I would say he was scoring a lot of goals and he was being moved around from, you know, playing up front to playing in the left. You know, he's, he's a forward. He's, he, he's absolutely a forward. He's a huge talent and he is, young he's a couple months younger than Dominic Calvert-Lewin who will always be talked about as a young player when we get into these discussions but let's it's it's important to remember that Richarlison is a young player uh, who starts for Brazil and if you've seen him at Copa America my goodness he looks great and i i think that you know i i don't know that we'll ever know everything about uh, the the dynamics with him, uh, you know, his frustrations at points last season, but I, I'm, I'm against, I'm against, I, I, I acknowledge that Richarlison will eventually get his, his quote move um, because he's super, he's really talented and he works hard. He's frustrating sometimes. And he, you know, he is emotional and all those things. Uh, and he's super competitive. Um, you know, <laughs> but, But 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 well, but here's my thing. He's 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 all those things, but he's also 24 years old, and I'm willing to, you know, we're we're sitting here looking at Jordan Pickford with a new haircut and six to eight months of. Half decent of, of pretty good form and he's been great for England and the Euros and, and all those things are true. But um, you know, we've we've waited a while for that to pan out. I, I always find it interesting how long we are willing to let certain things pan out depending on certain factors. And I won't get into all that, but I I I with Richarlison, I'm I'm pragmatic from the standpoint that you're right. Like, I do think there is a good argument to being proactive and maybe selling at a targeted or an opportunistic time. I just don't know that this is that time when yeah. we're in a, we're, we're really kind of in a seller's market and, or I'm sorry uh, uh, well I don't know what kind of market we're in honestly because nope. I, I think well we won't get you know these huge fees but then you kind of see it like now granted Jordan uh, Sancho went for less to United than I thought he would given the numbers that they used to bandy about but and we'll, we'll talk about Moise Keane here in this exact same light but I just I, I'd like to give Rasharlison a season to bounce back turn 25 give us one more season. Of him busting his ass because he's gonna, you know, if he really wants to move, he'll play like it. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I want that bounce season from him, and then I want to sell him for significantly more than I feel like we could get it for him right now. That's that's my opinion. Doesn't now back to the original point, Mark. It could absolutely happen. And when you talk about Moise Keen, I, 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 I'm a little mystified, but at the same time, it's like. Moise Keane scored a decent number of goals for PSG and they, they are so it's like, they're so well, they have so many other options that Mm. he's, he's sort of a nice to have and they're not willing to, you know, just pony up what Everton think he's worth. And I, and frankly, if I'm Everton, look, I've made this clear before if the only option is a loan with an option to buy and not a, an option to buy, that's like the third, that's the worst of the three options. Yeah, Selling is the best option. Loan with an obligation to buy is the best option. Cause you know, you've got a bottom line fee, an option, man, he has bad season. If he has a bad season, they're not going to take it up. If he has a great season, you're going to get less than market value. I, I hate the whole concept of it. I think Everton. I know no one. Everyone's like, well, Moise Kean can't come back, and maybe he can't. But I I'd sell sell him to Juventus. Sell him to someone who will pay. You know, at least give you a, a fee, get your money back. This this this. There's got. There, I feel like there's got to be more to this story, or the yeah. loan fee is an exorbitant amount of money. Um, <laughs> you know, like two years of loan fees from, P. I don't know, but I like the way that we do, the way we allocate our resources is just so insane. The last 10 years or so, <laughs> like the last, you know, or, or since, basically since not only since Mishiri came in, but even a little before that, but, but definitely since Mishiri came in, it's just, it's so scatter sh- scattershot and I'm, it's why I can't bring myself to have expectations in the way that I would
2: like to. Yeah, I think that the last point I'd make about Richarlison and the, is that I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I, I have no idea what his current contract situation is. But I think the what always burns in the back of my mind is that the sooner you all accept now that Richarlison will never sign a new contract at this club, in, in my mind, that just means that the time bomb is consistently ticking and and it, it's an important financial decision to decide whether we are going to take every single year of, the, of this contract and drag everything out of him as a footballer that we can. Or are we just, I, I'm, as I say, I don't want to think about us proactively selling, it just, it's just using a bit of initiative. And if we're talking about initiative in the transfer market, the, the moyes Keen deal reeks of a lack of it. Because why? Why there is a haste to loan him out? With well, I appreciate well, the loan figure. It's July the first. Like, why we- did
0: it to himself? Didn't he?
2: But moyes
1: Keane kind of did it to himself because once he made it clear he would, under no circumstances, you know, like he didn't want to come back to Everton or go anywhere else. I mean, PSG kind of has you by the balls at that point a little bit. So that's the only slight thing that I will, you know, give a benefit of the doubt to. But you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's dumb. It's a lack of imagination, I feel like. But when the players dug their heels in, it's, it's also it's not an easy it's not easy uh, to navigate that.
2: I would, I would probably say that is that that's much more true at the end of a transfer window, though. I I, I am quite ready now for Everton for once in their life. If a club like PSG wants to come and bully us and take our best, well, our best potential prospects sure. on loan for a minimal fee, are we ever going to tell one of these clubs to fuck off and just just kind of change our mentality and how we are seen in this market? Everton are, Everton are very dangerous upon themselves because we've got a lot of money to make a lot of rec- reckless and stupid decisions. And we, we, we've got very much more money than sense when it comes to dragging every pound out of transfer deals, be they selling or buying players. Whereas you look at someone like Daniel Levy, who everyone knows is horrible when it comes to these negotiation processes. But, If it means getting an extra million pounds for his football club for a 60 million pound player, he will do it because he knows the value that that money and not only the money, but your perception in the football and world and in particular in the transfer market. Everton are just that team who can be bullied out of an extra five or 10 million quid at will. And we, we've seen it in, in a no better example than when. Swansea bullied us, Mark. Swansea City. They just. <laughs> and just said no, 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 until Everton oh. eventually oh. just kept millions and millions of pounds onto a transfer fee that they felt had to be paid because we had to have this player because six weeks ago we decided that he was ours. And oh. it's just. I'd, I'd just like to see us be. In, in, both in terms of acquisitions and in terms of sales, just a little bit more sensible. It, it's fine to walk away from decisions. It's fine to walk away from potential sales of a player like Moise Keane with eight weeks left in the transfer window. It's okay to say to Paris Saint-Germain, give us money or piss off. Yeah. And I think yeah. th- th- there's plenty of other teams around the world who are happy to take a... What 25 to 30 million pound gamble on Moyes Keane because that that's just the nature of the gamble for a player like him is that he will retain his value. I think Everton have just totally forgotten that in the last few weeks. And do you know what? It's probably going to happen because as we all know what this football club functions like, but I would like to see us not for once held to ransom by a 19, 20-year-old footballer and a superpower well, club just because you feel obliged to to do deals with them? Well, like, I agree with you on,
1: like, I see, here's the thing. I, I agree with you on everything you've just said about how the club should pr- approach dealing with PSG and, and understanding the asset that they've got. So to me, to kind of connect it back to the previous conversation, I think that you can, on the one hand, say that that it's that Everton need to, to toughen up and not sell it at a, at a discount a player. Like I, I just and to me, you know, you mentioned before, you've got to accept that Richard is never going to sign a new contract. I mean, he kind of just did sign a five-year deal not that long ago, and I think that the idea here is that you did you did that knowing you wouldn't going to be here for five years, but you did that yeah. with the idea of protecting your asset. And to me, just like with Moise Keen. I think Everton need to take a longer view of what that asset is and what it can be. Um, Richarlison and Moyes Keane, if they land in the right situations and they're developed, continue to develop uh, in, 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 you know, a lot of factors I understand, but they are really considerable talents. They are guys Mm -hmm. that if you told me in three years that Richarlison was one of the, you know, 10 best, 10 best players in the world or something crazy. I, like it wouldn't totally shock me yeah. Like if he was score. I mean, he's, he's incredibly talented. I, 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 don't think anyone denies that he works hard. and I mean, he's, he's, I, I love him, but I also am disappointed in how he played this season. Granted, Moise Keene was a disappointment we shipped him off and he, he did well for it. one of the richest clubs in the world. And I think understanding the asset going back to that concept is looking at Moise Keene and saying to yourself, why don't we just go ahead and project one of the better case scenarios for what he could be, and then ask ourselves, what amount minus you know the three or four years behind that that projection that you are, do I think is really worth allowing this player to go or to go on loan or to you know what is my bottom line? I think Everton, especially dealing with a club like PSG, to your point, Mark, they need to be able to say. Um, you know, they need to be able to say, no, uh, you have the money. Uh, You can pay us the money. It's, if you want the player there, you know, just, just do that. And I, I don't see any reason why they can't do that, but for the kind of sides that are going to come in for Richarlison, they've got that kind of money too, in all likelihood. And, and I'd like this, us to, I'd like us to, you know, the, the, the good silver lining of where we're at right now is that we do have assets we can sell and reinvest. And, and that's just the truth. Um, but, I think that it would be premature to your point uh, to, to allow um, Moise Keane to go for a substandard deal. And I also believe we should just wait till the last day of the transfer window and make him sweat. Um, but in the there same breath, it. I also believe it's yeah. And I believe it's just a little premature to sell Richarlison at this point. Having said that, just to get back to the original point, nothing would shock me at this point because once you've hired Rafa Benitez,
2: anything is possible. So, um, how's he doing in the upper America? Rob, have you been watching? Uh, who were Charleston? Charleston? Yeah.
1: Yes, d- dude. I mean, he, uh, he, he still has a little bit of that, uh, probably not scoring as many goals as some of the chances that he's got. You know, um, I think some of our, our smarter friends would say he is he sometimes performs a little below his XG, if you will. Uh, but his presence, boy, like it's one of those things where unless you watch it, you you don't fully appreciate what Richarlison is doing. He is a, he is just a nuisance and a th- constant threat in terms of either getting his head on a on a on a ball in the box off a set piece or really within the flow of play because he's got such great pace and he's so sh- He's just so incredibly hard to move off of his feet um, he can you know he'll go down clearly in certain situations and you know uh, we all we know that sometimes people say he makes a meal of things whatever I don't even care he's he's awesome and it's fun to watch him be fully engaged and 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 look a lot of players as we're seeing in the euros right now um it's, they, they absolutely like, I think it's, it's still as an American watching it. Sometimes I I find it so interesting, the level of passion these guys have to play for their national sides, uh, for a short burst in a tournament compared, and, you, and you're like, well, why can't I see this every week at Everton? Cause they couldn't expel that much energy. <laughs> I don't think over, over maybe every single game. I don't know. But all I know is that, you know, for all the jokes and all the the ways I view national football, especially in the middle of the Premier League season, as this just giant nuisance, um, I I also think that we're seeing right now in both the Euros and the Copa, how invested these guys are in it. And I think we are running these dudes into the ground, but Andrew Charleston looks up for it. Uh, he's started, I don't, he didn't start their last group game cause they had already qualified and it was just a, you know, yeah. de- I guess dead rubber game, whatever, but they, um, but he's, he's been a meaningful uh, in all these games. Um, Yeri Mina, for those who've not watched um, again, uh, caveats aside that I'm, I'm Yerry Mina's biggest fan and you can shake your head all you want at me, Mark, it's true. Uh, I, again, all the caveats aside, but um, you asked me if I've been watching Copa America, and I have. I've watched Colombia's games and watching Brazil. Um, Yerry Mina has been. Uh, he had. <laughs> there was an own goal in one of the games, which was just ridiculous because he was the man of the match uh, for for the better part of that game. He just it just was a it was the weirdest. It wasn't even one of those like things that I think people have created this Yerry Mina falls over and hits eight limbs and knocks the ball in like that happens all the time. But it was just a, it it actually just one of those where the guy fired it in, it just chipped off his chest and it went in and you know, shit happens. But Yerimina has looked incredible. I retweeted, I think a lot of people saw the tweet going around about how he's first in basically every center half category in the entire Copa of America. That may be too because Yerry Mina is six foot five and is so big compared to a lot of these uh, South American players, but. It, it, it still it doesn't matter he's been immense um but no we and charleston i mean have both looked really good um colombia plays
0: i believe
1: on saturday yeah i think saturday in their quarterfinal match against uruguay uh and then brazil i think plays sunday and so I, brazil's gonna win it uh are i think they're just so good uh and by the way the All the great dramatic Euro matches we've had, the best one of Copa America so far was actually Colombia versus uh, Brazil. For those who missed it, we had everything. We had the controversial uh, goal awarded. We had uh, a team tr- like Colombia at Everton did all like, just Evertoned it all over the place, guys. I mean, up one nil against a in you know, in Rio de Janeiro against Brazil. They had not lost in Brazil in the Copa America since the late 70s. Colombia's won nothing up, getting close to the eightieth minute of the game. And uh, a ball is a, basically they kick the ball off the ref the uh, match official. Oh. He raises his arm to blow the whistle, but then doesn't. The Colombia defenders all stop for that split second, and Brazil just passes. You know, one pass, two pass in into the net, and it took. I mean, you even if the only highlight you had seen was just the Colombia players surrounding the referee for a good ten minutes. And I say ten minutes because there was ten minutes of stoppage time at the end of this game, uh, during during which uh, Brazil scored in i I believe in the tenth minute of stoppage time. Yes, uh, on off a corner to win the game, and they went crazy. I mean, it was a f- it was if it had been in the Euros, would they and there had been a crowd there. And that's the saddest part about Copa this year is there's no crowds. Yeah. And I'm telling you that crowd in Rio for Brazil and Colombia would have just been absolutely incredible. And the game was great. Um, but no, Mark, I, I, I've done my bit about Copa. I did want to highlight though, like I am still, I'm still getting over that France loss. like getting over, getting through that France loss. It was one of the most incredible games I've ever seen, but, but also the Spain game before it. I mean, th- th- this tournament has just been as W- even better than I thought it could be, and I already thought it was going to be really good. It started off a little slow, but man, it's just been a fantastic ever since.
2: I, I've never been more genuinely exhausted after a day of football than as it as it crept into extra time in that France Switzerland game. It was, as you mentioned, the the Croatia fight back seemed as impossible as the Switzerland one. Even I know that we we all know what Croatia yeah. are capable of doing in these in these tournaments. But I think we, we'd all bought into the idea that they were a team that very much peaked a few years ago and, and were on the way out. And it was kind of Luca Modric's swan song. But yet for them to come back from, from 3-1 down against a team in Spain who seemed so capable of scoring goals at will. And I think it's ironic that for so long since the kind of David Villa, Fernando Torres era that scoring goals has probably been their, their biggest issue. I think going back to the World Cup in Russia, for example, they were they will always look incredibly aesthetic on the ball and and their their ability to pass teams into death is just second to none. And and that, that will always be the epitome of Spanish football. But they are so clinical in front of goal now. And I think in particular players like Ferran Torres and Sarabia who obviously scored against Croatia uh, they, they look potentially as big of a force as they were going back to, to their peak of winning Euros and World Cups themselves. But yeah, the, the France game, I, oh. I find myself in a, a really weird state of mind because as as a neutral football fan, I think you always kind of, gravitate towards the underdog and, and the kind of romantic right. story of a Switzerland getting back in it and winning on penalties, which is which is obviously ultimately what happened. But France and their individual players are so gifted that I just didn't want to see them go out. And I know that Kylian Mbappe in particular had not hit the heights that he would expect to in this tournament, but just sit see, play seeing players like Paul Pogba play oh. in the right position, doing the thing. Paul, Paul Pogba who plays for France oh, man. is just He was, I, he I, was I, it's just was incredible a, to watch. He was an absolute shoo in to win player of the tournament if France got to the final for me, because he yeah. is just Mercurial when when you give him that freedom in such an important area of the pitch, how how often did you find yourself watching him play? An impossible through ball. He played that kind of half volley pass out to the left wing at one stage as well. And you you, you look at him and think you've been playing left midfield every now and again for Man United. And we, we sit off, we sit and scratch our heads about how they aren't getting the best out of this potentially hundred million pound player. I mean, he he is something else. And we we've said this when Man United have played at Goodison Park in the past, and it was in the game where. My, my main memory of this game is Jesse Lingard curling one in at the park end, and
1: that, that was the game that I was at. That was my first game at Goodison with you guys. Was New Year's Day, New, New Year's Eve, or uh, New
2: Year's night? I guess. Yeah. Well, like I think at, at the point of the ball hitting the net is where my ass left my seat in the park end to <laughs> to make my way. Paul <laughs> Pogba. All of the all of the kind of man against boys vibes that he gave at that yeah. game against I felt that watching watching that that game against Switzerland because it it it's almost his, his decision is his ability to retain the ball and do something magical with it is just basically his decision. It was just mm. creating ridiculous pieces of football and skill at whim. and I think it, it's. For that reason, it was just such a shame to see those players go out. And I know that, you know... Yeah, but the theatre though, dude, you got to admit
1: the theatre part was great because on the one hand, Pogba plays like a god. He scores that goal. And of course, he has the, like you can call it style or you can call it that thing that chip in his head that says, this is going to be the moment that I put on Instagram and is in my next Nike ad or whatever. But you know, he folds his arms and just stands there. And you know, I was, yeah. I mean, it's so outrageous. Yeah. And then he's the one who makes the mistake that allows the equalizer. And you know, after when they, when France went up two nil, I almost left, I almost turned the TV off and went, this yeah. game is so over. And then, then to have Mbappe, it was so weird to have every single one of them. Not even, and it wasn't really close. Like they all, all nine, those first nine kicks were as oh. sure as like those guys had nerves to feel. See. So, Killian Mbappe, I'm just like, well, it's fucking Killian Mbappe, man. Yeah. And it, you know, but boy, he, I, I never. I sometimes you watch Mbappe and you forget how young he actually is because he he has slight old face which you know like LeBron James when he was 18 looked like he was basically what he looks like now uh, only a little smaller like I think Mbappe's got a little bit of that Um, but what theater and I I just I I screamed at the television I'm not French dude I don't care why do I care but I was so into that game I I, it's just, I, you can't Ruben, watch you that. You can't watch that and then go back to, you know, Everton I can go back to, I guess. But I just, it's hard to watch other lower levels of football when you see it, the sport deliver on its promise like that.
2: Graeme Sunes was um, in the studio on whatever TV channel that the game was on on the night. And honestly, you could just, you could taste his excitement as Pogba did his run-up for a penalty. If, if Pogba misses, we are never, ever going hit the end of this. Oh. Cancel the 10 o'clock news after the game and just have Graham Souness for an hour talking about penalties and haircuts, but yeah. Well, he still can talk about Pogba's mistake oh. that allowed them back in the game. I mean, you know, yeah. The night after, we obviously had we had England as well, and you know, as 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 much as I'll be well documented, definitely not asked about England in any way. It was it, it's been interesting <laughs> watching from a point of view of just being the competition's best defense. Which I think so much of the narrative coming into this this tournament was how can England fit in twelve attacking midfielders into their first eleven, but. To, to see them keep four clean sheets, to, to, for the goalkeeper who does that, to be Jordan Pickford, for it to be the first time that England have done that in a major tournament since 1966. I mean, all, yeah. all of these things are pretty much, other than barbecues, Rob. The They're setting team. you up, Mark. They're just setting you up. But, but other than whether you like gas or coal barbecues, the England team is pretty much all that anyone in this country talks about at the moment. But Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. We, we are now looking down the prospect of England playing Ukraine in Italy and then one of, help me out here, Denmark or Someone else. Anyway, England semi-final. Uh, don't ask me to help, buddy. <laughs> England's semi-final was essentially on Tuesday night against Germany, and they're looking at a, a real prospect of, of getting into the final now. But the thing I'd like to focus on, really, as I say, from a from a footballing point of view, I just I, I will buy into whatever football match is the best quality, and I would say, really. Really, England's is that I think obviously Monday night just spoiled us totally before that game. But the the level of social excitement that exists in a country for its football team to do well, England England's next game, Rob, is on Saturday night at eight PM local time.
0: Yeah.
2: Honestly, I just think this country will just dissolve inside itself because I just don't think anyone viewing figures are anticipated to be in something like. 20 to 25 million which is like a third of the country um it's, you you can't imagine how much this totally you'll probably have seen on twitter that the amount of sort of football's coming home memes i will give it to england fans they they absolutely buy into anything positive that their team dangles them and it's, it's got the, it's got all of those world cup feels from a few years ago whereby we get a Pretty favorable draw, and even at such an early stage in the tournament, we're thinking about what we're going to be doing for when England play in the final. Um, it, it's got, <laughs> got all those sort of dangerous connotations about it, but yeah, from a- we don't have anything like that here. I mean, I, I've been thinking about
1: that. Like, we just don't like. And, and don't get me wrong, like, I mean, we have a national team, obviously, but yeah. and there are some hardcore. US men's national team fans for reasons that I don't fully understand. Um but whatever, that's fine. Um the women's team is the generally speaking, the elite of the elite on earth, uh, in terms of the women's yeah, game. Yeah. And but what I'll say is that Americans don't like we're into them when the World Cup comes around or or you know, like but yeah basically when the world cup comes around we're into it and if they're good we're really into it because we're front runners america is the biggest front running country in the world but you guys whether they win or lose or whatever like they it is ama- I, 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 as much as there is this kind of meh uh sen- sensibility sometimes uh, from the northwest of england about the english national team uh that they, they they never are, are not talked about if that makes sense. Right. And they are, and, and it captures, like you said, it's, it is this fever. You guys catch the fever. That's what y'all do. And I think it's, it's cool. And I wish that I had, there's really nothing we can equate. To, I think the closest America ever got was maybe the, the miracle on ice type 1980. Th- and even then it was hockey, like it's not, there's yeah. just nothing comparable in terms of a national team. And so, watching that, like, I want England to go on. Uh, I also am like, no way Ukraine could beat England, surely, right? <laughs> and then, so I, I'm just because Yarmolink Yarmulinko is going to happen, it could happen at any time, just so you know, but no, I. Man, Grant, look, the Southgate, I don't really – I think he overthinks things sometimes. I do think he is – and believe me, I don't mind. If you get results, it really doesn't matter, and I'm willing to be wrong. Uh, I do think given all the attacking talent he he has, he plays a very, 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 very conservative, bland form of football. But having said that, he called his shot with that lineup against Germany, and you can't have anything but respect because he was going to take a ton of heat. Um, if they'd lost and they didn't, he called a shot and I didn't, I still don't really like the overall philosophy, but I can't argue with the results. Everton or Everton, England have not allowed a, a, a goal. They're just, you know, they, they, they can win this way. Uh, you just worry about, I sometimes think that there's this idea that, the widest path to winning is scoring a goal and not allowing another goal like that you can replicate that kind of game every time and and i'm just i think that there will come a point where um you know england are going to get scored upon and how they respond especially if they go behind is going to be fascinating because mm-hmm. Uh, you know, suddenly the plan is no longer really the plan. And, and it'll be interesting to see how England, they certainly got the firepower to do it, but I just, it's so, I'm so jealous. Like, I'm like, you can have Grealish and Phil Foden, who I think is the most talented player, maybe just raw talent on that entire squad. Like, I can't imagine Pulisic not starting a game for the U.S. that matters. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. But but England, I guess, have that luxury. Uh, but it's weird for a for a country that hasn't won any, a major you know trophy in a long time. But I'm pulling for England, obviously. So many of you, uh, despite kind of mang England, I know you're into it. You got the fever, Mark. The look on Mark's face, if you guys could see it right now, he's so he's so oh. in the bag for England. He's an England super fan. It's so if great. You, That's why you want Ben White to replace Yeri Mina, Mark. That's why I get it. I get it. You're you're just in the
2: bag for for England at this point. for at <laughs> eleven. But oh, bro, if, if if you could summarize me in any way that I will I will sell my face for a, a, Saint, a Saint George's flag to be painted on it if it means for a crate of Paulana and a six hour barbecue to be held in his name. I mean. You you've had me adequately cooked meat. That that that's, that's all I ever need from my weekend. At the moment. But, yeah, I mean, either England or whatever you say, because I mean, if if it means that I am just going to be intoxicated for the entire summer, um, a summer which we are actually getting over here this year, then I am more than willing to buy into Gareth Southgate's boring England side. Hell hell yeah! Hey, look.
1: Scott win. I mean, England are better than Ukraine. Uh, anything can happen, but England should absolutely win this game. I, I hope you guys. I hope you guys get everything that you you wanted. I, I feel like uh, you were supportive of me when it was Biden v. Trump. Uh, uh, most of you, so uh, I feel and and you were pulling for me, and I got the result that I wanted. So I hey, I want I want England to win the whole damn thing. And in, with France out, it's wide open. France Germany out, wide open. This whole well, thing. Yeah. All right. Well, god dang, that was that that time flew by. I love that we were able at some point to shift off Everton and talk a little bit about uh summer tournament uh football. It's it's it, I was saying before like it's just so much football mark but man i have to admit that the actual football part of things this summer has been pretty fun uh it's hard to hard to argue that so well guys uh we are going to end right there um we will have of course all the regular shows this week um obviously we uh matt jones and and co have led just tremendous coverage here on the blue room of everything to do with rafa benitez i can't encourage you guys enough to go back and listen to some of the interviews that Matt has done, uh, with a, a couple of, of different, it was Steve Huttersall and I keep forgetting the other guy's name from, you know, on the kind of the Newcastle perspective of things, both of them, great interviews. If you've got, um, Blue Room Extra, uh, I think there are even versions of it on the regular feed as well. Um, but yeah, we'll have, uh, you will have mail back coming up this weekend. Uh, if <laughs> we've got, we, the football never stops at Everton. Um, so we will of course be continuing to cover all through the summer. Sounds like we may uh, need to have a transfer show here pretty soon, Mark. I think uh, I think that Matt Matt transfer Matt came out today as he was getting uh, you know quite worked up about about uh, uh, Moise Keen. So I, I think we'll have some of that soon. But you guys take care, and we will see you again next time for more Kickabout.
2: Progressive Insurance protects people's cars, homes, and other vehicles. But if you've ever seen our commercials or even just heard our name, you probably already knew that. What you may not know is that we support Humble Design, a nonprofit that furnishes homes for families and veterans emerging from homelessness. Because a little help goes a long way. And a lot of help. Well, you get the idea. Now, if you already knew all of this about Progressive Insurance, we're impressed. We'll have to find something else cool to tell you next time. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sports Social Podcast Network.